0: The following episode of the 9pm Edict contains strong language, disturbing anatomical discussions, politics, and the pandemic.
1: Thursday, the 13th of January 2022. Happy New Year! This is the Summer Series, and we kick off proceedings with journalist, commentator, bearded chap, and raconteur Andrew P. Street. In this episode, we ponder everything from parroting to pubic lice, from poetry to productivity.
2: Sick people, they don't, they don't do much. They just kind of malinger.
1: We realise a sad fact.
2: It is kind of hard to think of a way to make NFTs worse.
1: And we discuss one of Australia's finest thinkers.
2: Could it be that his, uh, his mind castle is built on sand? Hello, I'm Stilgerian. This is
1: the 9pm Urine Therapy for Parental Productivity with Andrew P. Street. Welcome to the Year of Our Lord 2022, Mr Andrew P. Street.
2: Hurrah.
1: Hurrah. There's someone going hurrah in the background. Shall we make them part of this or not?
0: Uh,
2: Look, I... uh, I I think the chances of us being able to speak for uh, any unbroken period without my three-year-old son Teddy coming in at some point is probably pretty low. So, okay. so let's, let's let's acknowledge the uh, adorable elephant in the other room, even mm. at this uh, this early junction. Because yes,
1: and isn't it just uh, a, f- a fabulous way to start the year? Because I thought, hey, 2022, we might be able to start this year mm-hmm. without talking about the plague.
2: Yeah, I, I was fairly confident that uh, we were heading into into Plague Year 3, the Plagening, mm. the return mm. of the plague, mm. um, the bit of the plague where we end up having to drink from some sort of Christian goblet. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think about the other threequels.
1: That, uh, uh, well, it's it's really the the third plague on the album, which is kind of a mid tempo ballad that is okay,
2: <laughs> but no one really likes. It'll be like the fourth single, and yeah. uh, you know when, as you say, we're putting this out for the collectors now for the B sides. Yeah,
1: and it really is like that. I mean, it's it really is quite B grade stuff, um, and then repetitive. I mean, we we now don't have food. This week in supermarkets around Australia, I don't know what you're like there in Adelaide, but certainly in Sydney, the concept of a, of a vegetable is just a faint memory.
0: Hmm,
2: interesting. They uh, it's not quite gotten to that stage here, um, and I can say that with authority because I just went and bought a capsicum. Um, or oh, oh. it, it, it's a it's a red vegetable. Uh, it's about sort of so big. Um, that's what they use in cricket, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. But it is it is exciting to sort of. You know, i I've taken grocery shopping very much for granted in the past of just turning up and thinking, "Oh, I'll buy some food with which I will feed oh, my family," food. and so now it's kind of food. exciting coming in and going like, "Oh, what, what's what's going to be here?" and um <laughs> and in this case, it was it was capsicums, um not a huge amount else to be fair, but capsicums <laughs> are plentiful in the uh, the inner south of Adelaide if you're uh, if you're in the neighbourhood and hungering for the The good crunchy taste of a capsicum.
1: I think that me flying what is around about a 1,000 kilometres to Adelaide Mm -hmm. to buy just one capsicum would be both expensive and perhaps inefficient. Look, there are some schools of
2: thought on that. I I think sort of sure, your air miles not perhaps uh, very green, but uh, I'm sure that Barnaby Joyce would applaud your uh, use of personal responsibility.
1: Well, you know, I am am nothing if not about personal <laughs> responsibility.
2: And Stephen Marshall would would thank you for your your tourism dollars and. Uh... And I have to explain and- that he's the Premier
1: because, you know, this is New South Wales over here and we don't <laughs> know, we don't know. News, as we all know, flows east to west in this country, this not is, west to east.
2: This is true. And, and also uh, there is an election coming up here in South Australia in March. Oh, so, oh. So, you know, whether or not it's worth remembering that he's the Premier is uh, very much an open question right now.
1: Hmm. Uh, we will come back to uh, election questions at the federal level later in the pod. But I did want to draw your attention to a wonderful chap uh, by the name of Christopher Key, who has styled himself as the anti-COVID nineteen vaccine police. Hmm. Finally, uh, he has finally he, personal yes, responsibility. He,
2: he's stepping up.
1: Yes, and doing something about the vaccine. Uh he thinks he's found a way to neutralise the vaccine, which is it's good, uh, even for people who've already been vaccinated. And look, I'm going to play you a part of a video he posted over the weekend on his Telegram account, which is, Please. of course, the best place uh, to publish science.
2: That, that's uh, where all the best science is happening.
1: Mm, well, he... Uh, he had uh, only just been released from jail uh, with regards to a trespassing charge, and we might come back to that. Uh, but as background, uh, Mr. Key said he just spent 90 minutes talking to uh, one Dr. Edward Group, who's billed as founder and CEO of Global Healing, uh, LLC or Inc. or something, known for his, quote, innovation, natural remedies and detox program. So I want to check, are you ready for this?
2: Look, he's, he sounds like an authority, what can I say? I am I'm, I'm I look forward to finally learning how to uh, neutralize the, the vaccine that's keeping me alive.
0: The antidote that we've seen now, and we have tons and tons of research, is urine therapy. Okay, and I know to a lot of you, a lot of you this sounds crazy, but guys, God's given us everything we need, okay? Every night my prayer, since all this happened, has been to find an antidote for this vaccine. Because, guys, I know vaccines. I've studied vaccines for 23 years. There is no vaccine that I would ever take. But this vaccine is the worst bioweapon I've ever seen. And what keeps me up all night and every night is I don't know how to cut it off. Okay, I, I know how to fix almost everything. But this right here, once you inject that mRNA technology, me and my friends are like, we have no idea. I literally just had this conversation with Dr. Groove, and I, I trust this man's my life with this man. I, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not telling anybody to drink their own urine, but I drink my own urine. I've done drink my own urine for the last 23 years, and I'm still alive. And I drink bleach. I'm not bleach. I drink chlorine dioxide. But, but anyway, look into this. I've got your chlorine dioxide, and now I'm going to turn it over to David.
1: No, well, we won't turn it over to David. I, I think hearing from uh, uh, Mr. Key, uh, Mr. Key, there is
2: is wonderful enough. I I just love that he was praying on it, and God came to him in his prayers and said, "Piss you know, in your own mouth." Piss in your mouth.
0: There, there, yeah.
2: God's good like that. He, you know, he. I mean, as the old saying goes, you know, God never closes a door without opening an opportunity to piss in your mouth. Is that in Revelations? I suppose it would be. Ah, it's toward the back somewhere. So yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: so. yeah, down the depth, yeah, yeah. It, it's
2: it's it's a bit of the Bible where you know God was kind of racing to a deadline.
1: Well, I I do like the fact. Uh, That, as I say, he had just gotten out of jail because uh, as the leader of the vaccine police, he's been traveling the United States with assault rifles and a flamethrower and a packet of uh, legal documents. uh, uh, Hang on, I need to do that with scare quotes. Legal documents uh, to arrest state governors, you see. Right. Uh, How's that
2: working out for him? I'm guessing well.
1: Well, he did get arrested uh, for trespass, which was the... I mean, the fact that he has a flamethrower is insufficient Mm. to get arrested in the United States. No, no, no. That
2: just means you're a kindergarten teacher. That's (laughs) You've
1: got to start somewhere. (laughs) Uh, But uh, there are witnesses saying that he was arguing with his court-appointed attorney outside the court saying... Again, you can't, I'm competent, I'm not insane, fumbling with a series of legal terms before claiming he is, quote, complete, total free man. Uh, I am completely sane, I don't need an attorney, he said. Mm. Uh,
2: and I mean, those I, I, two sentences go well together, don't they? <laughs> yes. yes. When you have somebody saying, I am not a lunatic, I don't need any help with this complex legal situation, you would go, yeah, yeah, well, it seems seems legit. Yep.
1: Uh, hey, hey, look. It, it's more. It's a wonderful mix of soft stuff, sovereign mm. citizen stuff, and and uh, that he can just arrest state governors. Um, b- I mean, because uh, as you know, this is this is an important prin- legal principle in the United States. Mm. Because
2: yeah, I look with soft generally. I I'm always intrigued by the idea that. Laws are a legal fiction and also here are the laws under which I am now carrying out a citizen's arrest or
1: Well, that's because you've demanding agreed to you. those laws. Right. Oh, I See, get See, so- laws are okay if you've agreed to that law. Hmm. Because laws are a contract.
2: Right. Um, I mean, they're not, though. So, I mean, that that, that <laughs> seems to be the, the whole. Uh, could it be that I've just... I've been all wrong about these sovereign citizens all this time, and <laughs> that they are maybe, in fact
1: based may- on really quite simple and straightforward legal principles.
2: Uh, all this time, I thought that Rod Cullerton had, you know, was, was probably our greatest public intellectual. Could it be that his uh, his mind castle is built on sand? A mind castle. I like this.
1: But back to the urine. Obviously, there's a, <laughs> a, a sentence. There's back a back to the Twenty twenty
2: one. Back to the urine.
1: <laughs> that's the that's the, the tagline for this episode, isn't it? Except it's twenty twenty
2: two. Oh, sorry. 20, so it is. Do you want to do it again? Twenty
1: twenty two. Back to the urine. <laughs> Uh, It really does sum up where we are at the moment. Um, People have been experimenting with this. This is my favourite. This was uh, someone posted this across. I I assume this is from Facebook or something. I don't know. Uh, Someone, someone who's well, their their name has been um, redacted, but the last bit is urine magic of the thing. Hi friends, a great idea to introduce children to UT, which is urine therapy, urine popsicles. I've been.
2: I've been... <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I, more.
1: I, I shall, and that is indeed what I propose to do right now. I've been adding... Uh, this is this person, not me. I've been adding half an ounce of my urine to lemonade and making it into popsicles for my daughter. She doesn't seem to notice, and I can see the
2: benefits already. She's the best student in her Spanish class. <laughs> it- Correlation equals causation. That, that I mean... Everybody knows that, uh, you know, understanding of Espanol and mm. uh, drinking one's own piss, I mean, they're, they're, they're essentially the same thing. Well, she continues... It's been so good I've
1: given some to her best friend Erin the couple of times she's been over for playdates and sleepovers. I haven't told her parents yet, but in due time, I'm sure they'll be grateful. When Erin's grades start to skyrocket and the improvement in her cognitive abilities is undeniable, I will let them know. (laughs) Yes, I too am sure those parents will be
2: Grateful. That's going to be one heck of a graduation party when when she uh, <laughs> accepts her PhD and an old family friend comes up and goes, well, funny story.
1: <laughs> I, I think they're slightly younger than PhD age, given that they're talking about playdates and sleepovers, but then I don't understand the American education system.
2: Yeah, look, I, I, I just think that... Um, that the that urine magic redacted is uh, possibly overestimating how pleased um, a a parent might be to find out that they've been feeding their child
1: pissicles piss yeah yeah pissicles yeah
2: yeah pissicles I, I mean like my I have a kid who's um, who's not great with lactose. So we sort of have to mention right. that to, to people when they um when they go around for play dates.
1: I think that's reasonable. I mean by the by the way, by the way, please do not poison my child.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I it hadn't occurred to me saying, by the way, if you're gonna feed them your urine, um we'd really, really rather not.
1: Yeah. Um, we try not to do that at home.
2: Yeah. You know As as a as a rule. <laughs> I'm not saying we always succeed, but it's certainly one of the principles under which we parent, mm. and um, yeah, might have to add that to the uh, add that to the briefing documents. Would you
1: like to hear more from this
2: person? Please, enthusiastically.
1: So, uh, yeah, well, yes. Uh, this is again a direct quote. So, is it possible for crabs, that is, pubic lice, to crawl inside of you? I. <laughs> Pause and think about that for a moment. I mean, there is more, obviously, but... (laughs) I'm a hardcore vegan and didn't want to kill them, so I've been letting them live as they please. But I'm concerned that they're beginning to build a civilization inside of my urethra. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't want to go to the ER. They've become like children to me, and I don't want to lose them. Do you know any essential oils I could put in my urethra that'll prevent them from entering?
2: There's a lot to unpack there. And and I'm
1: starting to wonder whether this is, is kind of what we might call real in another context. This could be
2: an elaborate satire. Look, um... I mean, Poe's law applies. Again, I, I, don't, I don't want to come across as Mr. Ultra Parent here, but um, when you've struggled to distinguish parasites in, in your bits with your children, mm. Mm. then maybe you need I, I, perspective, I, I think is, is necessary, more than essential oils. Also, if you're so worried about not disturbing their civilization, why are you flooding them with essential oils? That that, unless it's an, an essential oil led recovery, and you're trying to uh, oh to in, to encourage them to uh, you know some some degree of uh, I don't know if the Minerals Council are very involved in the pubic lice community, but um, if so, then you know I can see how this is is this best in Angus Taylor? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, I, mean, I it's hard to say, really, isn't it? We can't say for sure that it's not. Let's put it that way. Which, by the
1: logic of these sorts of communities, you know, I, I mean, prove
2: that it's not Angus Taylor. Exactly. Exactly. We know that Angus Taylor has got multiple online personalities. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think until demonstrated otherwise, we just have to assume that this is Angus Taylor saying, uh, my urethra is, is full of crabs. Building a civilization, no less. That's a bit that excites me. I didn't know they could do that. I, well, like, I didn't think they would crawl into a urethra to begin with. Mainly because, I mean, why? Yeah, as a as a creature that I believe they they live on skin flakes, don't they? Isn't that the, the sort of the point? Yeah, like, I, I don't I don't think there's a lot inside blood? the urethra. Maybe so. blood. Yeah, possibly. Oh, they bite, I, they're
1: bitey, I mean, they bitey little things and scratchy
2: little things. But no, I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure what it is that they eat. Yeah, I'm, I'm not especially familiar with them or or the or the civilizations that they build. Yes,
1: I mean, how uh, is that
2: manifesting? Are they?
1: Hang like, on. Is, I, I, I like. What do pubic lice eat? I'll be with you in a minute. But continue no, sure. that line of thought. Yeah.
2: I, I'm curious as to how this civilization is manifesting. I mean, are there artificial Structures happening? Is there a a thriving stand up scene? Are they? Uh, is there? I don't know. Like, like sort of a rotary style community organization. I, I, I feel. I feel like this post has uh, raised more questions than it's answered. Pubic lice eat your blood. Oh, there you go. Well, I guess there's blood in your urethra if everything. If you've gotten to the point where you've got so many pubic lice on you, it's fair to say that maybe things there, aren't there, going... there's a real estate crisis. Yeah, things aren't going great in, in your in your groinal region. So that's, there's every possibility there's just blood <laughs> slopping around everywhere down there.
1: Oh, uh, dear.
2: Maybe wondering- that's what's attracting this civilization. They're going, you know, beautiful blood views, you know, they're sort of building Gold Coast-style apartments.
1: Or is it more like Coober Pedy, where, where it's kind of underground <laughs> underground housing and and they're burrowing in and digging into the walls of the urethra, kind of like mining for opals, as they do in Coober Pedy, creating these caverns out of your own flesh,
2: which they then decorate. Well, that would also explain what culture is appearing there because it's like and they're fil- filming some sort of like lice version of Riddick and there's like a little... Laos Vin Diesel running around pretending that it's Mars.
1: I was thinking more Priscilla Crab of the Desert because they did <laughs> film some of that in Kuba PD as well.
2: They did. I mean, and Salute of the Jugger, which is a film that absolutely nobody remembers except for for me and and my friend Adam who uh, used to watch it avidly because it was one of the six things available at our local video store, um, which was kind of like if you thought Mad Max, but more low rent. Um, that you, you're very much on the right, uh, the right ballpark. It did, it did have Bo from the Bo Peepers commercials playing sort of a, uh, a post-apocalyptic crime boss. That was pretty exciting.
1: Oh, we, we explored so so many complex ideas. I think we need a a, a brief pause and a change of subject. Are you into tennis, Mr. Andrew P. Street? Uh,
2: I'm I mean, you know that we have to talk about this, right? Yeah. Uh, I I know what a tennis is. Okay. Um I, I'm aware that tennis does things of, of a tennising nature. Um, uh, this is tennising Williams. Yeah, yeah. That, well that's, gray, that's what we're talking playwright. about, right? Yeah. 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 I'm sure they
1: go... Uh, look here, as we know the uh, ball on the a s- hot tin roof. <laughs> That's it. You knock it up and you did it down. This is the problem with backyard cricket, right? <laughs> ball exactly. goes up. Ball on a hot tin <laughs> roof. Uh, six and out for that, mate. Six <laughs> and out. Uh, obviously, we are talking about the Serbian tennis player, and obviously today we must play. The clip with uh, Seven News' uh, news presenters in Melbourne, Rebecca Madden and Mike Armour, uh, being caught on a hot mic, as they say. Hot mic. Ball on a hot tin mic. Uh, well, his name is Mike. We I should have worked more with that and thought yeah. about it. But, the but here, gone. Here, move on. Yeah. Here, here is the clip, anyway. It's about a minute and a half altogether. Uh, not the best quality, but it is uh, recorded surreptitiously.
0: Whatever way you look at it, Novak Djokovic is a lying, sneaky, yes. he's
1: an
2: asshole, asshole. An <laughs>
0: like whatever way you look at it, it's yeah. unfortunate that that everybody else stuffed up around. him. That, that's it, I mean he's an asshole. Like to go out when you know you're COVID positive. Well, yeah. I don't think he was even COVID positive. I, I, I think, think that form fucking,
1: is true. He got a bullshit, fucking excuse, and then fell over his own fucking lies. Which
0: is what happens,
2: right? Yeah. That's what's happened.
0: And then him now then ticking, he didn't go to Spain. Yeah. It's just like... Yeah, yeah.
2: <sighs> but I think I think he's going to get away with it.
0: Well, he is going to get away with it. Yeah. I just... But he's...
2: <laughs> I think most fair-minded people would say, look, the Blake's an arsehole. Did, we... Did,
0: they... Did they do the right thing by him? I don't know. No, like, I don't... They fucked I don't... it up. I don't think so. That's the problem isn't it I don't think I don't think anything was gained by putting him in no in immigration
2: I'm no I don't think so but the trouble is how do you justify that person's on the same plane with him who also had
0: you can't justify it but the fact is life is never fair yeah some people fly first class and some yeah. people do you know what like yeah. it's never fair but that poor Czech girl that was fucking yeah, I sent know. home
1: uh, that poor girl. look before we we talk about that, Andrew. Uh, Seven News is, is going the private conversation defence, and they're getting quite cranky. Uh, this is uh, Channel 7 uh, Managing Director Lewis Martin on uh, Melbourne Radio 3AW on Wednesday.
0: It's disappointing. Um, it's a private
2: conversation. It's been illegally recorded, and it's been illegally distributed. So I can assure you that we won't be leaving any stone unturned to find out how it's happened.
1: His colleague, uh, Craig McPherson, who's the News and Public Affairs Director, has said it was a private conversation. It was an underhand, cowardly act in breach of the Victorian listening devices legislation, the perpetrator of which will be accordingly dealt with when found. I'll come back to the law in a second because that's a bit hilarious. Um, what are your thoughts here, Andrew, on uh, on this revelation uh, that... That news reader think um, um, uh, that Mr. Djokovic is a uh, an
2: arsehole. Look, I think it's refreshing to see uh, Australian journalists actually uh, uh, report the news. Uh, you know, I think I think it's exciting to see and and, and unusual to see somebody actually discuss in a. Uh, a, a television news context, somebody being an arsehole. And, um, and I think there should be more of it.
1: it. It is kind of a bit Sky News to give an opinion on these things. I mean, they, they, they clean it up a bit and do it as the actual program, of course. <laughs> uh, give their opinions based on their feels at the time. Um, I... My thoughts... Okay, so two... Several thoughts here. One is that uh, I'm amused at the idea of Seven News, a tabloid outlet that it is, uh, going, uh, that was a private conversation, how dare you record it, uh, which, isn't, which is not their usual view of such things.
2: No, and I'm, I'm betting it wasn't their view when they were reporting on um, uh, Dutton, Abbott and Morrison's little uh, uh, climate change laugh when they were similarly mic'd up and in front of cameras and joking about rising sea levels, which was also being sort of thrown off as being like, well, this was a private conversation by three (laughs) people with a microphone above them and cameras facing toward them in a media context, which, you know, I, I think it is a little bit rich to say, well, I was mic'd up and I was on camera, how could I possibly have expected to be recorded?
1: Let's look then at section 3 brackets 1 of the Surveillance Devices Act 1999, Victoria, which defines private conversation as a conversation carried on in circumstances that may reasonably be taken to indicate that the parties to it desire to be heard only by themselves – comma and here's the key bit but does not include a conversation made in any circumstances in which the parties to it ought reasonably to expect that it may be overheard by
2: someone else well again when you're mic'd up in a television studio with active television cameras facing toward you you would you would think very reasonably that this was a secure and private situation, you would be there going like, "This is this is the place where I can discuss things, knowing that it will never leave this room."
1: Well, I think that's right, and I think Mike, uh, Mike Moore, in particular, has has been uh, really caught out here because how was he to know that the microphone which he was in the process of clipping to his jacket lapel <laughs> could possibly, as you say, in a, in a television studio. Mm. Could the, the most be notoriously
2: private uh, place of all. Also, just parenthetically, every time I hear Micah Moore, I hear Michael Moore, and I just think yes. of uh, the character from Frontline, So, which, which makes this feel uh, even more hilarious.
1: I think another lovely touch would be if um, uh, Channel 9 ended up funding the legal defence for whatever seven employee uh, leaked this thing. Try to get a precedent set by saying no, no, no. This was a perfectly legitimate recording, um, because I mean, but by that I mean it, it's very clear. Okay, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't see any way that you could possibly argue that this was a private conversation under the uh, under the Victorian Act, no. certainly, which is the law that applies here. Um, I it's, it's extremely clear when you say does not include a conversation made in any circumstances in which they ought reasonably to expect. <laughs> you know, it's it's really throwing the onus right back on the uh, uh, the ability of the people
2: talking to realise that they might be overheard. Uh, you, uh, to, to be honest, though, I'm also a little bit disappointed that... I mean, it's something that I guess we all know instinctively anyway, but... Whenever you hear a, uh, a newsreader speaking candidly, they don't have that cadence that they speak that's with right. with their sort of sing-song voice coming at you when they're swearing about fucking assholes.
1: I mean, we, we, we do that right now, though, of course. Mm. We, we, we put on a different voice when we're in conversation with the red light on as opposed to our,
2: you know, chatting earlier. Well, that's true. I mean, like, in, in my sort of day-to-day conversation, I sound like James L. Jones. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, this is all put um, on. Pat Cavallis, uh, speaking of James Hill Jones, um, <laughs> in the sense that she is also in the media. This is the link. She is also on radio and television. She got a lot of, well, a bit of criticism the other day because she had just retweeted something that was, you know, well, Bullshit, basically, as w- as one does on Twitter. You go, oh, that's interesting, and you, know, you retweet it. And she got called out that she shouldn't be retweeting things. Her reply, though, was interesting. It wasn't, yeah, I should have checked that, sorry. It was, if I interrogated every headline and cross-checked to verify from reputable news outlets, I wouldn't have time to have a lovely day. And hmm. i I have mixed feelings about this because at one level... You know, don't don't retweet garbage, but at yeah. the other level, it's like, you know, I'm doing journalism when I'm doing journalism. I'm not doing acts of journalism 24-7 in the same way that, you know, a chef is not creating a great creation 24-7 or a lawyer is not giving legal advice 24-7. Sometimes they're just, you know, mouthing off.
2: Um, That's true, but there's also, a, I mean, people follow... Pat Cavallis on Twitter because they figure that she's a reputable source. They don't don't do it because they're thinking, I wonder how her lovely day is going. I would like to find out more about this lovely day. Although, I mean, she does post quite a bit of lovely day content and and I sincerely hope her days are lovely. Yeah. But but I I think it is a little bit disingenuous for her to say, well, when I'm I'm not uh, being in the media, I can... Forward whatever bullshit happens to come across my radar. Like that's yeah. that's sort of you know th- there is there is a reputational expectation mm. that I think is doesn't end when you log off. Um, but still, also just you know, as a as a journalist, I want to know why she's capitalized wouldn't in her in her tweet. Uh, that, oh, they, I think, that just I think bothers
1: the, me Yeah, I think the answer to that is that on certain devices Whenever you start a new line It might automatically capitalise, capitalise uh, that that first word on a new line That's true If, if, a you, new if you put in
2: the, the poetry setting Then uh, it does that immediately, yeah
1: But isn't all speech poetry?
2: That's Well, isn't all poetry speech? No No, it's not. Also, yes.
1: Time for a little bit of housekeeping. And let me tell you the most important thing, I think, is that we're recording the next episode in the summer series in just two days' time, this Saturday, the 15th. Of January, and it's a doubleheader with Upali Divisekra, who is, of course, a science communicator, a dinosaur enthusiast, and medical researcher, and Dr. Trent Yarwood, who's an infectious diseases physician. They've been on the pod before and they were talking about all the COVID stuff. Well, we're recording with them again on Saturday, uh, hopefully casting the net a little bit uh, more widely. If you are a supporter with trigger words or a conversation topic to throw into the mix, I will need to know by lunchtime Saturday, let's call it 1pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time this Saturday, the 15th of uh, January 2022, and uh, we'll, we'll throw them in. That podcast will appear uh, later in the coming week, probably uh, on Thursday, uh, and as you know, This whole series uh, is made possible by all the wonderful people who contributed to the 9pm Summer Series 2022, Uh, so that's this episode and five more, including something a bit special uh, to finish with. I will eventually thank you all on the pod uh, at uh, everything except uh, the lowest level, but this episode... I really want to thank those at the top of the list who have been incredibly generous, uh, getting themselves a conversation topic, uh, Gay Rainbow Anarchist and John Lindsay, and four more people who chose to remain anonymous. Thank you all. Uh, with three trigger words, uh, Matthew Moilcroft, Peter Leverdink and Sheepy. There's some regular names there, eh? And uh, we'll, we'll be doing the trigger words very shortly. And, and another eight people who chose to have no reward at all, even though some of those people were the, the most generous of all. Thank you all so much. Uh, if, you, if you missed that Possible campaign and still want to support the podcast... Please go. Well, you, there's a couple of options. One is you could go to the 9pmedic.com slash tip. That's the 9pmedic.com slash tip and uh, empty your wallet there. If you sign up uh, for. Uh, for a subscription, which is basically just a regular tip, uh, you might be eligible uh, to get credits for trigger words or a conversation topic. Uh, if you don't want to do either of those things, if you just want to listen to the pod and you don't want to give me money, that's, that's fine, obviously. You have your priorities in life. And I have mine, but please just tell your friends and family and colleagues and everything about any episode uh, that you enjoy. It's on all the podcast apps under the nine PM edict, and uh, the more listeners, uh, the merrier. What a what a fucking cliche, Mister Andrew P. Street. It's time for some trigger words. All righty. We have some here. There is one sent in uh, today specifically for you uh, from Michael Strasser who says, Productivity, which is defined as that great economic shibboleth, some in the political class demand ever more of it from others, but display little of it themselves.
2: Oh, that that, well, that that is a very fine description, I have to say. It, it's, it, it's one of those things, I think, that we've, we've really discovered in the last few years – about sort of productivity's kind of sexy twin efficiency Mm. and just how terrible an idea efficiency actually is for governments because one of the things that you're meant to be if you're a government is prepared, and preparation Mm. by definition means having excess capacity. Uh, which is not in itself inefficient, but it is good when you have things like, I don't know, a cyclone or a series of national bushfires or just off the top of my head, a massive three-year global pandemic Mm, where it's mm. possibly a good thing to maybe have a little bit in the tank just in case you're going to suddenly run out of nurses or run out of testing capacity or run out of nurses and testing capacity Mm. or run out of ICU beds or run out of the very idea of healthcare.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it always seems to me that productivity is a fairly bleak measure. It's, it's a, you know What is? It's like, well, we, we don't want any waste. We don't want anything there which is kind of more than the bare minimum, more than uh, what will cope most of the time. Mm. Um, and one that always gets me, and, and this is a live issue in New South Wales, uh, well... In the background for the last couple of years is the staffing of of trains and railway stations. Now, uh, there is going to be, when they're eventually uh, at an agreement between the uh, railway unions and uh, the railway management, uh, new. Inter intercity trains in New South Wales, which are really quite schmick. They've all been delivered, they've all been checked and tested. Uh, they were expected to go into service uh, during last year, during 2021, but they haven't yet, simply because they have been designed so that single person operation would be possible. That is, dr- driver only without a guard. Mm. And uh, although the plan. <laughs> at the moment, is to continue with two-person operations. Uh, The guards have fewer things to do, and it's been suggested that, well, that means they can, you know, go through the train, they can actually provide help and advice and whatever, and naturally they want more money for this or or would like some sort of guarantee that Mm. it will not go to one-person operation in the future. But I put that in the context of... This is, this is a bit of i I'm going to go for a bit here because this is a bit of a hot-button topic. It fits in with all of that, oh, we don't need people there to help you or help you with your big piece of luggage that you want to get off the train on the platform or come and administer first aid uh, should you suddenly suffer a heart attack or something. It's all just okay if we watch that on closed-circuit TV. So I'm looking forward to the future time where not on a long journey late at night, Uh, you know, my life is saved by the the guard coming up a couple of cars and administering first aid, but by an operator down at uh, Railway Central, wherever it is, uh, uh, recording some video of me dying, Mm. (laughs) um, uh, which can then be uh, put on uh, TikTok later with some suitable music.
2: Well, look, I mean, that way you're contributing something to the culture it's with, oh, with, true without uh, and about so it's,
1: fucking time too, so again
2: it's say. more productive like you know you being saved honestly like how is that helping our well, anybody, uh, you know really. our bodies mean, yeah,
1: and I would be After taken off to hospital I'd occupy uh, an emergency ward
2: bed exactly selfishly um, like like so many of those those uh, selfish people getting their PCR tests the, discovering that they're covid positive and that their uh, symptoms are worsening and then going in and taking healthcare away from more deserving people tbc ruining productivity ruining productivity and i mean and and again this this comes back to productivity of the the beauty of productivity is that um it's own it's defined entirely by what you choose to measure so if oh. you are uh, say looking at the productivity of the population and whether or not you should I don't know vaccinate all of them and you're going well sick people they don't they don't do much they just kind of mm. malinger children I mean they're just sitting around well they're just wa- wastefully absorbing our education system and and our swings and uh, and the old people well you know look as we know being elderly is a pre-existing condition and an underlying condition and um, you know really, what what are they doing except for just you know, giving Alan Jones a and a reason to get up in the morning? So in terms of productivity, I think focusing on you know when you look at it in that light, then saying when we need to give twenty rat tests a week to members of parliament when at a time when sick people are racing around, chemists desperately trying to find who's gotten a pallet in sort of in the last 40 minutes, uh, it makes a lot more sense. It, it's, if, it, it depends on what you measure. Thank you, Michael Strasser, for uh, leading us down
1: this path with the trigger word productivity. I think we've learned a lot from that. Uh, we do need another one. Uh, because I'm down in Sydney and not up at the mountains, I have uh, not brought the glass jar of transparency with me, uh, but have thrown uh, all the trigger words into, as people now know, the Chemist Warehouse plastic bag of translucency. Which is very classy. Mm, mm. It's a high budget, this show. I I Uh, I like the way you've... uh... Well, I've improved the productivity, haven't I? Yes, yes. yes. Oh. Uh, This is from a friend of the pod and friend of me personally, Kate Carruthers, who has chosen as her word, the day after tomorrow. There's a fairly loose interpretation of the word, word here, Mm. uh, as always. But the day after tomorrow. See some I'm sure that some
2: languages have a word for the day after tomorrow. They do. Better languages one hundred percent would. I bet German does. So are we are we talking the day after the the day after tomorrow that we're recording or the day after tomorrow when this goes up? Because uh, Well it is going to be the same, which will be right. Saturday. So today right. is Thursday. Uh, it is. and it'll go out on Thursday. Very well. Well in that case, Thursdays being Thursdays, uh, the day after tomorrow is in fact Saturday, that's true. I uh, I I'm prepared to stake my reputation as a uh, as a as a journalist and as a uh, university graduate on this.
1: Wow, uh, it is a fairly lazy interpretation
2: of the uh, the trigger, though, isn't it? That is true. Mind you, the the main reason that I'm sort of hesitant to think about the day after tomorrow, leaving aside the fact that sort of given the uh, the, the galloping pace of the news cycle and the pandemic, it's like. You know, the day after tomorrow, that's probably going to be, you know, another 200,000 cases and at least three baffling prime ministerial soundbites from now, you know, like that it, it, what one, one could very much be forgiven for being hesitant to live too much in the immediate future. The other thing is that I'm taking my son for a haircut, theoretically, on Saturday, and he really wants a mullet and i don't what? i don't know how to deal with that because uh, his cousins his elder cousins have got mullets and that alone given that he has eyes and a heart makes me think you would know what you're going to look like and this is unflattering
1: this is the 3 year old
2: this is the 5 year old ah so, you know, so I, I, I,
1: yeah, there's no excuse at that kind of age. I mean, uh, no. In 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 a more in a more robust age, he'd be in the army by now.
2: Well, this is true, you know. And look, I and, and, and they wouldn't hold with these kind of shenanigans. No, it'd be a short back and sides. He'd, he'd be out there be working, working in, in aged care the facilities. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm. Um, my, my, my wife and I are being very cagey about whether or not he is going to get the um, the requested hair, haircut. He did also ask for um, for colours in his hair, which we've been that that was easier to just say a hard no to. Mm. Um, although on balance I'd rather he had colours than, than a mullet. Well, I think
1: so. But, um, what does this say uh, like perhaps looking forward ahead to the day after the day after tomorrow and and his life? Do you feel that perhaps this will make parenting even more difficult? As he uh, proposes other fashions, such as um,
2: flares. Well, see, this is the thing. Brown right, corduroy know, that, flares. I mean, I feel like this is the first real test of of our child kind of um, defiantly making a, a, a play for his own identity outside of that of his parents because um, D and I are both very much like aging you know indie kids like the sort of people who mm. s- spent too much time at the you know the Annandale in the in the early thousands and you know kind of found a look that they liked and stayed with it so I I, I think that this is going to very much set the tone for all future, Mom, Dad, you don't understand me or my music. Kind of arguments. So it it is. You know, I think we have to play it it very carefully.
1: I mean, as uh, as as a former indie kid yourself, um, you know, I mean, you you used to present indie music on the on the wireless, on the on the radio, on the public broadcasting. Uh, which is, of course, where we met and you compiled charts and and you would introduce (laughs) me to bands that I would otherwise not have heard. That was a terrible job in one way when I was station manager at that radio station, but fantastic in another way because all these enthusiastic young people would come and say, have you heard this? And play me music that I otherwise wouldn't
2: have known. Look, it is is a very fine uh, way to have one-sided conversations with a lot of people at once. That, that, that I think, is the, the great beauty of radio.
1: <laughs> and it's what we're enjoying right now as we do this. Look, um, Kate, I know, will, oh, will she be slightly disappointed? She will harass me later and say, but you really didn't talk about the big picture.
2: So, so she means in the sense of the, uh, of course, the-, the cinematic triumph that is The Day After Tomorrow. Oh, which is uh, you know second only to um,
1: the day after
2: to Sharknado in terms of of being a a, a, a poignant and thoughtful uh, exploration of our climate future.
1: Paleoclimatologist Jack Hall undertakes a dangerous trek to New York City. Well, I can understand to save his son from the disaster. It's
2: John Cusack, if I remember correctly. Uh
1: Dennis Quaid, Jack Gillenhall, Ian Holm, Emmy Rossum,
2: Cilla Ward. Oh, there you go. Sorry, I'm I'm getting my my quads confused, as as people so often do. <laughs>
1: do you, you want to just kind of have a quick adjust of
2: your waistband? And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's like, I feel like they're making a civilization in my Quades. Yes. Yes. Well, you
1: know the uh, you know the way to cure that. <laughs> Mmm, frosty. Have we got time to do another quick... What Why we, the hell not? Oh, Let's do Lord. it. All right. From Sheepy, again a long-time supporter, mm-hmm. Friendly Geordies.
2: Oh. Oh, no. Do we have to? Oh, wow. I interviewed Jordan Shanks for Rolling Stone some time ago, and it's... um. <sighs> Yeah, it was. So, what's he
1: like as a as, as a human, or was he on? Is he is he one of these people that is always on? The red light is
2: always there. No, he was very um, he was very thoughtful actually, and and like he's a very bright he's, he's a very bright fellow. Um, he's very quick. Like he, I mean, he is like funny, but he's uh, he's definitely a bit intense. Oh, okay. Um, the 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 friendly Geordie's character is definitely a. Character, at least to, mm. to some extent, I'm not you know as, as much as I guess any media personality is not sort of the person who's taking out the bins. But uh, I yeah, I'm very ambivalent about Friendly Jotties because on the one hand, I think he does a lot of genuinely interesting journalism, and I also think you he call does it journalism. Yeah, I think he's he's done some some proper like investigative. Like well, there's no okay. reckoning about it. He is he is unambiguously done some proper investigative stuff. There is uh, a lot of question marks about the way it's done and the way that I think his uh, online following are uh, weaponized. Ah, uh, yes. But um, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting fellow. I I, I He also does – I don't know that this is very widely known. He also does kind of um, quasi-Jordan Peterson videos, like where he gives sort of advice on living a good life and stuff like that. And he does it under his own name, or he certainly did. I don't know that he still does. Um, Which is uh, Jordan Shanks. Isn't yes, Jordan Shanks. Hmm. And um, – I mean, when I say quite like Jordan Peterson, that that's that that being a little bit um, uh, provocative, he—I I mean, you don't. It's very much imply about, it's
1: like Nigel Farage's cooking show.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not. It's not inflammatory stuff. It's like he's very into sort of discipline and working out your rules and and sticking to routines and stuff like that, and how how to how to live a good life as a man, kind of thing. And it uh, does make me no. it does make me wonder whether in fifteen years' time he's going to essentially be, you know, a lifestyle influencer of of a of men. sort of alt alt men fashion. That's interesting. Friendly Jordan Peterson would be the uh, the, the the strange off- offset of that. It's yeah, he's a he's an interesting cat. Thank you, Sheepy. Um, that that. Was not the
1: answer I expected, or the conversation I expected. Which is good. That is fabulous. All uh, part of the yeah. service. <laughs> Elephant stamp time. <laughs> Elephant stamp time. On many episodes of this podcast, that should show, you know, each episode, but it never is because I don't always do it. Uh, in many episodes, I award elephant stamps of approval in the category of thinking, for excellence in the category of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I have two for us to consider today, Andrew. The first one is from a Twitter account, or comes via a Twitter account, called web 3 is Great, And uh, the stamp goes to all the people who bought an NFT for charity, in quotes, from Doodle Dragons. So this was a an NFT project which, like so many, are just stupid little one-off drawings, in this Mm -hmm. case of doodled dragons, and uh, they said on Twitter that they would be donating uh, $30,000, which was their, quote, first donation, uh, to the World Wildlife Fund, which I believe now is called the World Wide Fund for Nature, but Mm -hmm. we'll set that aside.
2: Uh, To set it apart from the uh, World Wrestling Federation, I believe? Yes,
1: that's right, yes. Uh, but uh, two hours later, once they had their $30,000, they tweeted, actually, fuck that. Our charity will instead now be my bank account. See you, nerds.
2: It's, it is kind of hard to think of a way to make NFTs worse. And um, <laughs> so I guess this is innovative. To, to, mm-hmm. to have something that looks like a scam... In a way that certainly can't be policed for its scam turning out to be a scam. That that's the that, you know there, there are there are levels of of uh, transparency here which I, I find refreshing. Um, that said.
1: Uh, it's certainly not the first to have done that. Someone did that with an entire um, uh, cryptocurrency exchange, oh, and really? just replaced it with a single web page which says, "We have taken your money, and you will never find us," or words to that effect. Uh, and it's it's now widespread. Do you reckon enough. that's the end game for like uh, National Australia Bank? I wouldn't be at all surprised. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I think it's more a Westpac thing. Yeah. This is quickly consulting his lawyers. No, I think I'm okay with this. <laughs> um, because Westpac, what did begin is the State Bank of New South Wales and, and the Bank of New South Wales before that. And given that New South Wales, as a concept, is essentially uh, a corrupt organisation <laughs> as, as history has taught us, I think that means Westpac will be... The first to go. I mean, they've already hinted at that because Westpac uh, kind of means Western Pacific, you see. Oh. Ah. Which means, you know. Yeah, which means this whole thing could disappear to Nauru or Vanuatu or some other place where their uh, uh, prime, uh, uh, you know, generation of, of uh, what i called GDP uh, is, you know, uh, seabird guano and, fina- quote, <laughs> financial services, unquote. So, I, you know, in a, in a sense, we're already halfway there.
2: Mm. Just parenthetically on, on the, the, the derivation of Westpac, I only found out relatively recently that Port Stanvac in in South Australia, which I'm mm. sure you'd be familiar with mm-hmm. as a um, sort of...
1: Yeah, southern suburbs of Adelaide. It used to be outside that, but it was a little yeah, oil it's refinery kind of, place down yeah. near Port
2: Norlunga. That's the one, sort of, uh, yeah, near near, yeah, between sort of Portnlunga and Moana. Um, I just assumed that Stanvac was, you know, maybe uh, the name of a, of an explorer or uh, or some notable sort of immigrant of of mm-hmm. Polish uh, derivation. Mm-hmm. Turns out, short for Standard Vacuum, it was a company town.
1: Ah, so vacuum oil was a thing. I, I remember mm. as a kid, there were some old oil cans of vacuum oil for um, uh, car gearboxes and things.
2: And that, I don't that know why was... there would be
1: vacuum oil. It seems to be the exact opposite of what you need.:
2: Yeah, well, it, maybe maybe they just enjoy the pleasing irony of it. But yes, but that was why it was called Port Standback, because it was uh, owned by Standard Vacuum. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Fun South Australian regional facts.
1: Elephant stamp uh, to uh, everyone who invested in Doodle Dragons. uh, Good luck getting your money back. Number two goes to John Ng, the Bishop of Worcester, the 113th Bishop of Worcester. Actually, no, it it comes from him, but the stamp goes to the UK's Royal Mail, who uh, (laughs) this week actually delivered to him a letter that was addressed as follows. The Lord Bishop and his sexy wife Worcester Worcester <laughs> being the city. So uh the bishop tweeted, Good old royal mail, this arrived safely yesterday. And by second class
2: postage too. Um <laughs> Look, I feel like the Royal Mail were just doing their job with this one. Like, you know, there, there can't be that many Lord Bishops in Worcester. I mean... Well, no, it's it's this presumably guy. Presumably, it's, yeah,
1: it's, like, it's John, it's John. It's yeah. it's a
2: Highlander situation. If you've got more than one, they got, they're going to fight to the death.
1: And... Um, Did you check out his photo, because, I mean, there when he's in his full regalia, which you can't see on the running sheet, but if you find a photo of him in his full uh, bishop, you know, robes and crook staff with the hook at the end, yeah, he could... He could he could take on, uh, what's his name? Mel, not Mel Brooks. Um, Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> he probably could take on Mel Brooks, to be fair. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, I, I, I think... It's probably, no, is it Mel Gibson or is it the other one? Mel, Mel Brooks's gladiatorial days are probably behind him. <laughs> that's at, right. At this point. Uh, no, it was... Um, oh, my goodness, this is going to bother me. Uh, the Rabbitohs Fellow. Uh, no, no, no. No. It's sorry I'm now I'm now looking it up because this I should know this because I watched it not all that long ago I mean um, interchangeable generic Christopher light. Lambert oh okay learning learning his lines phonetically if I remember correctly and oh, right. delivering them like he didn't learn them
1: act, act, <laughs> acting acting's a bit of a lie. I tell you what the, the real day after tomorrow is when actors are just all AI constructs anyway we've already got that happening.
2: Did we establish that the bishop, the Lord Bishop, does have a sexy wife?
1: Well, I, th- this is a question. Uh, I mean, I really should have checked the replies to that tweet to find out more. Well, let's see, John Ing. Yeah, He's a bishop I-N-G. in the Church of
2: England, so presumably oh. he he can have a wife.
1: Oh. Uh, oh, here here is a photo of him with his wife. If you have a look, mm-hmm. John Ing
2: wife. Oh, she's not unattractive. Yeah, yeah, okay, story checks out. Well, in that case, once again, I reckon the Royal Mail is just doing their job. They, they had a letter to the Lord Bishop and his sexy wife, and they delivered it. Yeah, I good, guess so. Good on them, but also would have been weird if they hadn't.
1: I guess that is the, the lesson here, and uh, my apologies for, for, for calling this out as something exceptional and, uh, uh, and, and worthy of special
2: mention. Yeah, what's your problem?
1: Finally, Andrew, uh, sadly, we do have to talk about Australian politics. We have hinted at it a bit. Uh, to lead into it, though, a friend of the pod, uh, Mark Newton, did tweet the other day uh, about rage on Twitter. Uh, not, not the television program, which confused some people. Rage. Rage on Aussie social media is like a diffuse swarm of annoying bitey insects that fills the air, occasionally drawn densely to feed on a dead carcass, before rising again and wondering where to go next, but never actually causing anything. Current carcass is rat availability. For those of you in the future, RAT stands for Rapid Antigen Test in the context of, of a global pandemic which is happening now. Uh, these tests, although we're all meant to have them as soon as uh, we get symptoms, uh, are not available because there isn't the stock in any retail
2: outlet. No. And they're not being provided to us for free because everything can't be free, which is an interesting way for the, for the, uh, the Prime Minister to address a very specific question about... A piece of medical equipment during a pandemic—that it wasn't actually. Should we go completely to a global barter system? But, um, but nonetheless, uh, exciting that he's thinking mm. about universal basic income, I guess, or or, or nothing at all—one of one of the two. He's, he's clearly not thinking about the question that was being asked, but nonetheless, look, I have to disagree with Mark Newton on this. I, I oh, because I think the rage over rat availability has had. Um, has definitely caused something. Like for for one thing, I think it caused uh, a world class tennis player to be locked up in um, a hotel room in a desperate attempt for the prime minister to be seen to be exercising authority on something that wasn't rat availability. So I I I reckon on on your on your bitey insects of Twitter. Well, you you, you drove the government. To frantically find something else to do as a uh, immediate distraction. Well, we might consider whether
1: this is uh, more or less effective uh, than uh, Scott Morrison's brilliant
0: comment at the cricket last week. We got many challenges there, as, as, as we know at the moment. But this is Australia living with the virus. Look it out! Look it out there! And Australians taking wickets in the virus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are indeed. Adam Gilchrist uh, nervously agreeing with the Prime Minister at the end of the year, his colleague. Issa Guha looks on in disbelief. We're taking wickets (laughs) in the vaccine. I I mean, yes, it's worth finding the video with the clip links on the podcast website, of course, uh, just to see her stuck because, I mean, it's the Prime Minister. You can't just say, what a... what what the fuck, sir?
2: Yeah, and, th- and look, I think kudos to to Adam Gilchrist for going with "We are indeed" rather than "What the actual fuck." Yes, yes, it's yeah. good
1: to have always in broadcasting a couple of little default uh, fill an awkward silence phrases that mm. you can come back. Like, and isn't it a remarkable game today? Which which of course commits you to nothing about anything. Mm. But it's remarkable. You haven't said what your remark is. It well, you've is literally remarkable. remarked upon it,
2: therefore proving your own statement.
1: Ah, oh, see, this is this is the way to go. Yeah,
2: it's ah. it, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. It's glorious. Wow. Ah.
1: Who's going to win? Who's going to win? We, we'll, we, we've been chatting here for a while, but we do need to cut to the chase. Every episode uh, I have been, uh, well, for the last few months anyway, I have been going to the ultimate source of all wisdom, i.e. the sports bet political betting odds. <laughs> um, brackets, no, boys and girls, it, it's, it's not bet responsibly and with money that you don't actually need for something else. Uh, but uh, the odds for a while there were flipping between a Labor or a Coalition win about uh, paying out at say a dollar 85 as the usual uh, price for whoever was favorite on the time uh, at the time dollar uh, uh, 90 or dollar95 for the other side well as we record this on the afternoon of uh, the 13th of January 2022 the odds have shortened further it's currently a dollar 55 down to a dollar 55 for a labor win two dollars40 for a coalition win are they right is the betting market correct Uh
2: Mr. Andrew P. Street? it should be pointed out that they weren't last time. That, that, yes, that that was, uh, yeah. They they actually like clo- I believe were paying one out. of
1: the people. Yes, one of the one of them paid out their bets for a, a Labour win uh, early before Mr. Anthony Green had mm. done his dance on the television. Which um, which was very foolish
2: of them. It was very foolish of them, and uh, I'm sure that everybody sort of understood that it was an honest mistake and gave them and their and money back. The Almost money like back. they'd yeah. they yeah. bought an, an, an you know an EFT of a of a dragon. Um, that being said, I reckon they're I reckon they're pretty much right. I think Morrison is going to lose. I don't necessarily think Labour are going to win, but I think mm. Morrison is going to lose.
1: Does losing mean he won't be
2: Prime Minister? Yes, I don't think Morrison will be Prime Minister. Right. I, I don't think it will be a coalition government, but I'd, I'm not absolutely convinced that it's going to be a majority Labor government. Just looking looking at uh, where seats need to be won and whether or not Labor can um, – I think they need seven to uh, to have a clear majority in the lower house and – my, my guess is five, and then there's about another four that are sort of neither here nor there. They, I would rather be Labour than, than Liberal at this point if I was going to be Prime Minister, which, God willing, you know, I mean, we'll see see how the, how the year pans out, but at this point I have no plans to be. But, uh, yeah, I I sort of feel like, the way that News Corp are increasingly hedging their bets on mm. uh, on their fondness for Morrison, the way that even the pro-Morrison socials are getting very critical, I, it does feel like the, the, the store of miracles might be running a bit dry. I mean, to be fair, if you're going to do something like pick the moment when supermarkets start getting empty – to publish a photo of yourself holding a massive barramundi and grinning like a fuckwit, then, um, you know, maybe your your the, your sense of the common touch has somewhat left you.
1: Where I'm staying in Ashfield has a, a, a fish shop just around the corner, so I might pop over and get a barramundi and, and similarly post a photograph of me grinning
2: <laughs> grinning like a fuckwit uh, with a barramundi. No, no, you need to uh, get it flown in from Humpty Doo. Is that where barramundi come from? Apparently okay unless I were just hanging out there I mean you know it's a nice place well, I'm reliably informed
1: you know, the life of a fish can be pretty dreary so a bit of excitement going a bit of a tour of the yeah. the north
2: you know get get to get to the do, get to the lodge good times good times for a fish yeah
1: on this happy note we we should probably end it here uh, or uh, or not uh, but we will we will because because we have to save something for next time, Mr. Andrew P. Street. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your company, and I
2: hadn't prepared this. Uh, your your more wisdom. Well, well, thank you. I will I will accept accept on behalf of my wisdom and my more wisdom and my company. Thank you. It has been a pleasure being here, and it has been a a delight to learn about the um the the, the health benefits of. Sneaking urine into children. I think we need to, I was going to say that sounds even (laughs) creepier than it is, and then it's like, no, no, it doesn't. No. Sounds accurately Uh, creepy.
1: Unless they're just taking the piss. Oh,
2: you've done this before.
1: Before I go, uh, there is something that has been worrying me for uh, a few minutes now, and that is why the Vacuum Oil Company was called the Vacuum Oil Company. Uh, well, I have the Wikipedia page in front of me, and the answer is it it doesn't say. I don't know. What it does tell me is that the Vacuum Oil Company was founded in 1866 in uh, Austria, by the looks of it. Uh, And in uh, 1931, it merged with the Standard Oil Company of New York to form Ciccone Vacuum. Uh, As I say, that was 1931. They did change their name again later, and it's quite possibly because uh, during World War II, two of the subcamps of the Auschwitz concentration camp slash death camp in Poland provided forced labour for vacuum oil company facilities in Poland uh, once they were captured and operated by Nazi Germany. Uh, So uh, I I don't know uh, how much you know about history, but broadly speaking, uh, using Nazi slave labour was considered to be, uh, let me say, an embarrassment Well, if you've enjoyed this, please go to the 9pmedict.com slash tip and do the needful, or just tell your friends. We're recording the next episode on Saturday, so if you have a a contribution to that, please get it to me by lunchtime on Saturday, the 15th of January. Until then, I'm Still Garion. Wash your hands.
0: The 9pm edict is a skank media production. Sorry.